There's only about 5,000 people who have ever played in the NBA, ever. And I think Bitcoin is in that same way. I think there will only be about 5,000 people who ever really understand Bitcoin. Like really how, how much it is. We, we can educate and get people on the right track, but it's always, it's always going to be a very small number of people that actually understand Bitcoin and the implications for the future. Hey everybody, this is the High Hash Rate Podcast. I'm Mike. And I'm Dan. And this podcast is just two plebs getting high and talking about Bitcoin, life, and the absurdity of the fiat world. Our guests don't necessarily get high with us, and you don't have to either. But it helps. Hello, and welcome back to High Hash Rate. Uh, the show where Bitcoiners get high and uh, s- smoke weed and, and talk about Bitcoin and, and various other things. Today, no, 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 Dan, let me finish, let me finish, Dan. Today, <laughs> we, we have on Isaiah Jackson, um, who uh, probably needs no introduction in the space, but uh, I just want to say, hey, Isaiah, thanks for coming on and, uh, you know, what's up? Hey, what's up, brother? Glad to be here. Uh, before right. we before we get into <laughs> to Bitcoin and, and your background, uh, today is what September thirteenth. Today is the day that the government said, "Hey, by the way, we got aliens," and they oh, showed man. off some aliens in the Mexican <laughs> Congress. What what do you what's your what's your take here? What's your angle on the aliens? Real Good question. If if nine year old me was told that in twenty five years they're gonna pull out aliens at, in Congress in Mexico and nobody's gonna give a shit. I would have, I would have thought you were lying. I was just like, ah, oh, yeah, right, man. When he pull out the aliens, everybody's gonna lose their mind. Nothing that, happened. It's like people saw it. They were like, like I think Hollywood did their job well. They basically, yeah. they programmed us to the point where we, we don't care. We like people. I saw people comment. It was like, ah, oh, well, gotta go to work tomorrow. Who cares? Like, <laughs> yeah. Ever since, ever since COVID, man, like they, they try to like drop aliens a little bit, UFOs, like Couldn't right out in the midst of that chaos. And then they've been trying to like hint at it over and over again. And like, still nobody does anything but make some memes and, like, all right, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, they don't believe shit. It's one of those things where we all kind of feel like we all thought there's some life out there. Yeah. Um, so it's not really surprising to anyone. I just think that, you know, the fact that they look exactly like E.T., yeah, how there is proof that Hollywood had some inside tracks. Like yeah. I, I feel like they 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 found those aliens probably like sixty years ago, and they I just know, now right? pulled them out. But they 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 probably gave this picture to uh, Spielberg and was like, "Well, this is what we found." Uh, so if you want to base ET and base his look off of that, let's do it. And the, uh, honestly, I think it also has to do with the fact that I saw the picture of those aliens. I could kick their ass easily. Yeah. Like I have not a, I would just kick one, you know, punt them. Yeah, yeah that's, I, I, that, that's I, I'll punt punt Baxter back across the universe. That little baby alien. Hey, if, if he's nice <laughs> if he's nice though, like, you know, I'm, I'll give him an apple or something. Oh yeah. Yeah. But he's, I, he's I, probably I just... No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm I'm thinking that they probably have some sort of uh I don't know, mental telepathy weird power where you right. can't even get close. Or they can read your mind to know that violence is coming and like right. stop you in your tracks. Because right. every, every, no matter what species they are, they have some defense mechanism, and he's too small to, you know, of course, fight back. But it, it would, yeah, be, dude, uh, he made it way too far away from his home planet at that little size if he didn't have some kind of badass gun or like some kind of defense mechanism. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, man, I, uh, I, I just wanted to point out that it's uh, that's you bring up a really interesting topic and subject. We don't have to get into it, but it's like if you can't tell the difference if a society can't tell the difference between the its government like lying to it or, or not lying to it anything that they deliver you can't trust so it, it just 
it's like an entire it doesn't even matter if it is true it doesn't fucking right. matter if it is the thing you, yeah well, i can't I mean, trust yeah, what you're but, saying to me yeah, that's it's, a, man that's a breakdown with, it's a huge breakdown. it's probably that's probably good because all this ai stuff and people are going to be able to generate all these deep fakes and all these videos we're not going to know what's real and what's not so like yeah. i'm probably just going to see some crazy video it's going to be the most insane thing that they've released yet in a couple of years i'm gonna be like eh if, if it's real I'll, I'll i'll know it's real like i yeah. don't have to like read the news to know if it's real oh yeah yeah and i mean if i had to put my tinfoil hat on if something like uh operation blue bean uh oh yeah, com yeah comes around and they like destroy something um that'll be like the ultimate like basically that'll wake everybody up but then it'll be like half too of late. us be like too yeah. late yeah we told you we told you aliens were here we <laughs> should have listened to rfk man yeah should have listened to rfk man we've been trying to tell you for a while we've been telling you in hollywood we, you know whatever but the, the fact i do want to point out the fact that there is like a contingent of people that think that they're absolutely fake like everything they put out is you know completely oh fake. yeah yeah um but and they want you to do that too yeah but it's hilarious because these are the people that I would say have probably the deepest conspiracy theory bag of anybody. Yeah. So they're yeah. so deep in it. They're like, well, now that you told us, and now it's a conspiracy. Like he's just saying, no one yeah. trusts the government. So like, now that you told us, now we know there's something else going on. It's, it's a distraction. We knew you were full of shit. We knew you were full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> just seeing how people react to it is hilarious to me, man. No, you know, oh, I yeah. never made the connection between the aliens and the, the, the emergence of this aliens topic and the emergence of the Maui laser topic. And how you oh, can combine yeah, those two two ideas together, as then yeah, we some, are the aliens some, that are zapping ourselves, dude. Well, it's like so, they they simultaneously think that some crazy ungot known to man weapon is like shooting lasers down from space and and missing all the blue houses. But then if you tell them there's aliens, they're like, mm, I don't believe that. Well, I don't believe. That. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, out of that Maui situation, um, one thing that I I did get out of that is. I'm no longer ashamed to try and raise money. Like I'm one of these people that like, oh yeah. I always try to just do everything out of pocket. But now, when I saw Oprah and The Rock asking for money, I was like, <laughs> I'm panhandling forever now. I was like, I'm, I'm raising grants. I'm getting them raising money. I don't give a shit. You got two billionaires standing there saying, "Can you please donate?" And it's like you own half half the island. Why don't you just let them live on your side? Like, we're... you know, it's crazy. They like make us. It, it's like taboo to like ask people for money or beg for money but like what do the most powerful people in the world do that's all they're doing is asking for money they're begging oh, yeah. for money they're just like beggars opm yeah other people's money that's all you got to remember whenever you want to get some get something done i always use somebody else and, and they, when they when they beg for money they're like listen if you send it to this bank account everybody's league nobody's legally liable for this now <laughs> exactly just send me one eth i'll send you two two eth back yeah right <laughs> Um, um, you want to go down? Or, or yeah, I was going to say, Isaiah, okay, uh, I, have a, I would go down a completely a different bit. path. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I like that question. Back, Thank you. Yeah, a little bit about your background. Uh, we were talking a little bit before the show that uh, you used to play some basketball. And you used to play against some of the, some of the greats uh, oh, yeah. in the NBA today. So like, maybe dive in a little more about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so before I get into how I got into Bitcoin, my past life was basically basketball and it still is as far as watching it and uh you know can, my, can, can my you just greatest... say the fre the frequency of the frequency of your playing by the way um today or or back then no just like back in the day yeah like how, how... oh yeah, yeah back in the day you play eight hours a day ten hours a day oh uh, wow so you're y, you're playing outside. okay oh yeah 
And and my dad actually he he played in the NBA for a while himself. So basketball was like ingrained in me from the beginning. Loved it. Um, always played since I was I think six, and um, that was like my entire life uh, up to that point. And um, I I thought I was pretty good. Uh, I won a bunch of MVPs at, at tournaments. Um, I averaged no less than twenty points on any team I was on. Um, and then were you headed were you headed for the NBA as well? I thought I was. was. Your, okay. I, I'm only I'm only about a hair over six foot, so I'm a little small. But um, but at the same time, you know, I used to pray every night to be like six six, like Jordan, uh, like Kobe. Uh, but it, it didn't happen. But uh, but around like fourteen, uh, I went to I, I went to his basketball camp, um, Bill Curry basketball camp at Charlotte Latin High School, and it was sort of like a proving ground to see who was like the best players in Charlotte. And uh, lo and behold, who do I get to go up against the entire camp? It's Steph Curry, the greatest shooter of all time. Uh, maybe he's my favorite point guard of all time. A little home bias. Um, but, yes, I played against him when I was 14. And one of my top achievements of my life is the fact that, for one, me and him won co-MVP together. We won the, the camp championship. But I actually am 1-0 against Steph Curry in three-point contests. So, if he's the greatest shooter of all time, I'm one to know against him. Ergo, I'm the greatest shooter of all time. So I did. I achieved my goal. Uh, so <laughs> through Steph we, Curry, <laughs> we talk. We talk a little bit on the show about this. This book I read is by. It's called like the Order of Time. It was about physics. It was about uh, time theory. But one of the things they talk about is that time is like these little moments. It's instead yeah. of this like long thing. So at one moment in time, you were the best shooter probably on the planet Earth. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I thought so, definitely. <laughs> yeah. And uh, not only did I be Steph, I'd be his brother Seth and his dad, Dale Curry. Um, and, you know, it was it was one of those moments where you don't realize the brevity of it until, you know, when you get older. Because, yeah, sure. you know, Steph was a he was an NBA player's kid. He was pretty famous in Charlotte, and everybody thought he was soft, and he wasn't that as good as advertised. Um, and, you know, people used to beat up on him as far as speech and, and talk about him. But one of the things I did learn is the fact that from that point forward, I, I tore my ACL two months later, so our trajectories were a little different. We were on the same trajectory, I thought. His dad played at Virginia Tech, got his jersey retired, played in the NBA. My dad played at Virginia Union, got his jersey retired, played in the NBA. Like, we both would have had the same training, the same everything. Um, but the the main thing I, I figured out was how hard he worked because you don't know how hard you work or how good you are until you get there. So. I don't want to discount anything he's done. Like, oh, yeah, he got there by luck. He's a super hard worker. I mean, he would go to camp, and then people would hang out after it, and he'd be like, no, no, me and Seth got to go home and shoot 500 jump shots in the driveway. I'm like, hey, take a break, man. We just played for eight hours. <laughs> so I do want to give him that, but there, there was a moment in time where I was the best shooter in the world, and uh, I got to find that T-shirt in my dad's. I, got, I have to find it because – uh, one day I know I'm going to meet him. And we took different paths, but I think we both succeeded or are succeeding at the things we do. Well, how come you think uh, Steph doesn't ever get the, uh, you know, like Kobe had the Mamba mentality? Sounds like what? Steph Curry had the Mamba mentality too, his, own, oh, yeah. uh, his well, own version of that. Well, we used to call him the baby face killer. And okay. I think that caught on a little bit in college, but I didn't yeah. catch on in the NBA. I think there's his yeah. marketing team was like, we, we want you to be more of the nice Christian guy with the family, you know, that, is also very good at basketball, but yeah, we used to call him Babyface Killer back in the day, and um, yeah, you know, after the ACL, I, I played really good. Uh, played you know high school all conference, but 
and I walked on to NC State, but then I quit, and I was because I was like, I'm not practicing all day to, to sit on the bench, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm about to right, have fun. Right, right. <laughs> I'm I'm good. Um, but yeah, that that was my life before Bitcoin, and then um, you know, found Bitcoin in 2013 after I graduated college. Uh, shortly after that, found it, and um, I had a roommate that told me about Bitcoin, and it was funny because he worked for Charles Schwab, which is interesting, but. He basically came home and was like, um, yeah, we, we talked about this Bitcoin thing and it seems like it's way too technical for me. So you can have it and, and try to figure it out because I'm computer science tech guy. And um, yeah, first person I saw was Max Kaiser. Oh boy, man. When I tell you that was the first time I've seen somebody that convinced me in one speech, it was Max wow. Kaiser. And he's a good friend to this day. I, I count him as a mentor. Uh, and luckily he was the first person I saw because this was 2013. It wasn't much information out. It was, you know, Bitcoin talk and Reddit and uh, some some forums on like the dark web. Like it was nothing out there. So seeing Max Kaiser on RT report back in the day, ripping up dollars and yelling and saying, you're all wrong. Federal Reserve is going to do this. It just convinced me. And then I've been going strong since then. What uh, when you talk about the fact that there was really no information back then, but then you referenced uh, like Bitcoin talk forums and stuff. What did you use when you were like, Oh my God, I got to learn more about this. Uh, like I said, Bitcoin talk and Reddit. Yeah. Those, those are the main two. Um, and, and, and Bitcoin talk, I would read more. Uh, I didn't learn as much, but Reddit, they, people would have like step-by-step stuff. Like I remember back then setting up a wallet dot that, uh, file <laughs> for a wallet. It's just so crazy. Uh, it's like, I'm talking about a TV with a big back. Like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, so outdated. Um, but a lot of the discussions were like, where would Bitcoin go? Or like, how would it perform? And, and will it last? Because you got to remember, the, this is Mount Gox, Silk Road time. Everybody's scared shitless. Like, everybody's like, oh, my God, it's going to fail. It's the guy from Silk Road, you know, Ross, who I'm friends with his mother now, uh, had written well, him. Yeah, yeah, Lynn. She's nice. a good, good friend. Nice. And, and I just remember how scary it was. And you know what's crazy uh, about that time period is, like, my entire life, like, I've, I've had really good grades, graduate top of the class, and, and all this good stuff. And I would tell people about Bitcoin and then they just treated me like a criminal. Like they were like, oh, my God, why are you doing that? Are you using the drugs or is there something wrong? Are you It's like, right. this is wrong. The code is open source. I've seen how it works. I've seen other people do peer reviews. It works like it just it just works. I don't know what else to tell you. Um, you can't politicize Bitcoin because right. you can't just say nice stuff and people believe it. You, just, you have to right. prove it. Don't trust verify. And uh, it worked, but the, the way people treated me back then was hilarious. Like to this day, I still laugh at some people. Like, do you realize you basically called me a criminal to my face because I was trying yeah. to show you Bitcoin, and that just shows the power of the media. What about your uh, your your close friends and family? Uh, I think we talked a little bit before. You said that they kind of they're like, oh, that's cool. And then when it would would dip, they were like, ah, oh, how's your Bitcoin? And then <laughs> you know, then you were kind of vindicated in subsequent bull runs. Yeah. But how, how how did that reaction? And how did your family treat it? How did that evolve over time? And did you finally convince them? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody around me is, has some, but they'll even tell me before I say anything. It's like, yeah, yeah, I just, I stack some more sats. I got some more Bitcoin. Like, they just nice. do that now. But uh, back then, 2013, um, I basically told people that I was around, you know, people I work with and, and uh, you know, friends and family. Um, I only had two people that actually believed me the first time I told them. Um, rest in peace, my big cousin, Jermaine, he was my first like person I consulted and educated. He just went with it. Cause he, he's one of those people. He always supported me my whole life. He was like, Hey, you smart. If you're talking about it, I know it's something there. And he yeah. just went with it. So love him to death for that because I gave me the confidence to be like, all right, yeah. somebody believes me. 
But um, another guy, uh, the second person that believed me the first time I told him, I feel so bad for him. Uh, I told him about Bitcoin when it was at $500. Uh, and he believed me right off the bat. This is like 2014, 2015, something like that. Uh, maybe a little later because it was like $200 around the time. But he bought it. He bought 300. He bought one Bitcoin for like $300 or $400, something like that. Um, and then he bought a little more. He was like, I got $500 worth of Bitcoin. And then the price went to like 800 and he sold it. And he was, he's basically, he sold it like immediately. So he believed yeah. me, but he also was like, I, hey man, I just made some extra money this week. I'm going to take it. And you know, when you're early twenties and you broke, you're like, I just made an extra 300 bucks. Oh yeah, that's yeah. great. Um, so that's, yeah. that's kind of what it was like. It was just seen as like, okay, I can make some money. It's a cool thing. It's, it's on the internet, but the detractors, oh man, 99%. What are you doing? This is terrible. You're going to jail. This is a scam. You're a drug dealer now. You oh, are right. scum of the earth. What are you doing? That's that's how most people were. And I'm going to be honest with you. It, the worst ones were the people that I try to teach in, in the black community. Because I think they've seen a lot of snake oil salesmen who have tried to sell them a dream and try to tell them this is going to change everything for you. And life is going to get better after this. And uh, they just didn't believe it. But now it's funny because I convince more people basically doing reverse psychology. I still don't buy Bitcoin. Leave it. We don't need you. And it's, it's kind of like, hold up, what do you mean? Y'all? It's kind of like a woman. Like if she, if you say, nah, I don't want to talk. All of a sudden she's interested. Like, hold up. Yeah. Not, so why don't right. you need me? I don't convince you that you need me. And then that's sort of how, you know, people get in now. Cause I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm like, I don't care if you buy it yeah. more for me. And when, you know, Satoshi said it himself, he was like, I, if I care for you, don't get it. If you don't get it by now, I'm not going to convince you. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about this. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm at that point now. I, I, and do have, I get it. I do have a question. How 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 has it been received in your community, <laughs> especially um, after the work that you've done? Actually, um, I, I would have to get the the exact data. But when I wrote the book Bitcoin in Black America in 2019, we were the the demographic that was least likely to buy Bitcoin. And then in 2022, yeah. uh, we were number one for crypto, though. So it's yeah. like the message got there, but everybody ran to the casino. You know what I mean? Like they, they ran got to distracted. the shitcoin casino. They got distracted, which I understand. Most most hardcore Bitcoiners are reformed shitcoiners. Like you see, you have sometimes you have to see how terrible it is to be like, nah, yeah. man, I'm never messing with that again. Um, yeah. And most people don't get it first go go around. It's just human psychology. If I tell someone. Focus on Bitcoin, Bitcoin only. Don't look at anything else. You know what they're gonna go home and do? They're gonna look at other stuff. That's that's the first thing they're it, gonna do. Everybody's everybody's gonna look at the other stuff. It's I kind of like you mentioned the crypto casino. It, my community, like the kind of Midwest, uh, kind of working class neighborhoods, like the people that I got into Bitcoin, they did the same thing. They 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 went to yeah. the you know the Dogecoin, the Shiba, and just trying to win a lot. It was like, you know, they used to play lottery the lottery tick buy the lottery tickets and now yeah. they, they found that with crypto. And then like you get up to the institutional guys and they're just doing it their own way. They're just trying to get yield. They're just trying to farm yield. And it's yeah. like, you know, just trying to win the lotto. Uh -huh. So it's just gonna happen. I guess it's just it is what it is. People learn their own way. But I did notice, so I, I got really into Bitcoin around 2020, um, and I listened to like a lot of different podcasts. I follow like a lot of different comedians, things like that. And I noticed, like I listened to like Joe Budden podcast, and those guys got really into to Bitcoin mm -hmm. in the bull run, and it started to spread. And like you saw Drake had it, and you saw the just like the the pop culture of like. Uh, for everybody really, but the African American community really embraced it in the last bull run. Is that really carried over? Um, 
to an extent. And the one thing I do want to say is that uh, I do want to, um, you know, give a shout out to the people that, that did at least say something about it or mention it. Um, but they were saying the wrong thing. It was just wrong. Yeah. This is bad information. Like I, I did clubhouses in 2020 with like Meek Mill, with uh, Soldier Boy, uh, with all these high, high guys. And I would explain how Bitcoin works and all these things. Like, And they would always say, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that that's what yeah. it was for. I, they just they just look at it as a way to make more fiat. Uh, yeah. So even though getting the word out there, they didn't have the best information because I think the people around them, they were financial managers. They're, you know, yeah. they're financiers from the old old guard. So they, they don't even understand Bitcoin. So right. I, I think the first go around, this, this is sort of a good test. Like Jay-Z and, and Jack Dorsey with Bitcoin Academy, like it was a good test test run for them to see like, all right, we hear it. We understand it. It exists. But the next go around, I wanted to be people like myself who are doing the educating so that they understand self-custody and cold storage and, uh, you know, the, the the basics that they need in order to actually have Bitcoin. Because I can't tell you how many black people have told me, yeah, I got Bitcoin. Where? Robin Hood. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's, it's <laughs> not it going to start uh... from the beginning and tell you exactly why the, that doesn't matter. Like, But it is good. Like, you're right. They laid the groundwork. Like, the yeah. idea that. All right, now people are like, all right, this is cool. I could maybe get rich or make some money off of this. Yeah, uh, that's cool. I'll just I got it on Robinhood. What now? And then you come along and like if you your book and just your education, um, it's like actually this is also useful for this, and this is also useful for this, and this is all you have to do how to do it. And then it's like oh shit, like this I does would. this does work. I can use this. Like what are uh, what are some of the things that you talk about? that you emphasize uh, as a use case uh, mm-hmm. to, to really catch people's attention and, and get them more excited oh. about Bitcoin. Yeah, so I actually I, I had a consultation with um, a project manager at um, HBCU called Johnson C. Smith in Charlotte. Um, and he's basically heading up like the, the uh, technology. Matter of fact, I got it right here. Uh, yeah, the project is to, you know, increase technology and hen- enhance the digital workforce, you know, all that stuff. So I asked him, Cause he's interested in Bitcoin. He, he's just was like, yeah, I've heard of it. I asked him, I was like, what have you heard about Bitcoin? And everything he said was wrong. He literally was like, I heard you get a Coinbase account. But I was like, well, shit, that's <laughs> strike number one. And then he basically listed like five things. He was like, I heard uh, that if, if it gets hacked, then all my money would be gone. I'm like, Oh Jesus Christ. So I usually start off now asking what, cause I think most people have heard of it. So if you dispel the rumors or if you get rid of the things, I basically just rewire in their brain to basically tell you, you don't know anything that I think that's a good start. Um, I think the, the number one thing that I do is first sort of rewire their brain and let them realize you don't know anything. Um, you just are just regurgitating. Matter of fact, I had one person, they told me that they knew something about Bitcoin. I forgot what they said, but I, I regurgitated the article and the date that they got it from. I was like, dude, I do the news every day. It was like, I, I know exactly who wrote it. I was like, it was written by Jason Brett from Forbes. And it, it, they were like, what? How did you know? I was like, because I know the media. They did. It's like, I have moments like that all the time where yeah. it's like, I know the tweet I you know, saw. I know, I know the saw. headline you saw. Exactly. Yeah. So rewiring their brains to let them realize they don't know anything. And then the second thing is, is making sure that they have skin in the game and d- doing things that they already do. So what I mean by that is meeting people where they are. So first thing I do is I get them on the Wiser app, which is a Bitcoin and financial app that uh, education app uh, that I'm an advisor for. So the first thing I do is, hey, it's 50 free sets if you just download it. That's it. I give them free sets. Then I give them different ways to earn Bitcoin by doing things they already do. If you, if you walk, well, download S Miles. Uh, if you want to play chess, 
It's on S Miles as well. If you want to play games, there's Thunder Games. Here's uh, ZBD. Um, if you make payments, fold. To, you know, whatever. If you want a dollar cost average, I always send them to Swan. Um, and the the biggest thing is, I just I don't change how they live their life. I'm like, look, you don't have to change anything. You just got to tweak uh, or download some apps and just keep doing what you already do. You buy stuff anyway, right? Well, just connect it to Lolly. Like, <laughs> just basically yeah. keeping it, you know, simple. So they they realize it's like I, I tell people all the time. I was like, don't even buy Bitcoin for the first month. Just study mm-hmm. and get free sets. You don't even and you'll see it's like everything I'm telling you about how it works and 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 how you can use it uh, without having to spend a dime. And I think that works for a lot of people, because if you tell somebody it's free, most people will they'll they'll run with it from there. But if you start off with it costs this much and you got to pay this and put in your paycheck, people are sort of like, I don't know, let me let me find out. And then they never go really find out. People don't read like that. Right. I a lot of people talk about, oh, you should never sell your Bitcoin. And like there's some truth to the fact that you want to stack sats but yeah one of the things i like to do is like if somebody just has cash app i'll just send them five dollars worth Wait. of bitcoin and then be like watch and then open your phone uh-huh. you can sell that to dollars right now and now you can use your cash card to go get to an atm when you're at the bar or whatever yeah. it's like if somebody doesn't have this cash app they got venmo just like oh if you send me bitcoin i can just cash this out right now like selling it is a use case so like you show people how easily uh-huh. they can just use that money yeah. Or just, you know, then you teach them how to send it, you know, a lightning app to a lightning app or whatever. You just grow from there. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. shit, I can do this. Yeah. Well, they, they'll think on their own of like what the implications are and be like, oh, you can also do this. Oh, man. Hey, and you know what's crazy? Crazy. I am I am always surprised how many people they have Cash App because, you know, the biggest user base of Cash App are black people. So mm-hmm. they all have everybody I talk to has Cash App. They don't even know Bitcoin is on there. That's crazy right. to me. Like you say, you know, you have Bitcoin on Cash App and you're like really right. and then they, you show him he was like yeah it's been there for a while now and uh me me and my uh me and the co-founder of black bitcoin billionaires lamar we were privileged enough to send the first bitcoin transactions back and forth to each other during the beta testing and nice. we both basically was like this is the game changer because they did exactly what i do meet people where they are they already have cash app give them bitcoin give them lightning right. and and let them go from there so uh and and here comes coinbase coming up the rear years later oh yeah we're adding lightning now like ah man shut yeah. up man. <laughs> it's fucking... but it is hopeful man maybe but it's like hopeful, all yeah. these because like you said you talk to all these people and they're you're like tell me about bitcoin and they just list off a bunch of nonsense yeah. well how many people on coinbase are logging in every day to those same people who don't know and then they see the lightning network it, at that point it, they don't have to know all the yep. ins and outs of bitcoin to start using it and yep. improve their lives and then as they use it, they'll start to get more curious, or at least most people will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah. also, too, that's a good point you said. They, they don't have to know it to use it. Right. In fact, you're not going to know it. I tell people that all the time. It's like, you're not going to know everything about Bitcoin. Yeah, it's impossible. I'm still yeah. learning stuff every day. I'm 10 years deep, and I'm still learning every day. Um, and one thing I always compare it to is it's like your car. You don't know how to change the carburetor. You don't have right. no clue about the, the fuel line. But you know how to drive it, put gas in, change the you know, basic things in order to use it that's it that's all you have to do a little right. basic training yeah. and you're all, you're on your way and you won't even realize it's there because i can guarantee you you use plenty of technology every day you cannot you cannot describe and you just know it works that's all that matters yeah. does it work think, think about if they did one of those like tiktok interviews where they're just interviewing random like high school and college kids on the street and they ask them what's tcpip exactly These people <laughs> just stand there like uh and they just have some of the craziest answers right it'd be a, a funny video yeah. but it's like that's the most important thing that to your life every day you're using it every time you're on your phone you're scrolling tiktok instagram twitter whatever it's all 
it's the internet but people don't have to know anything about it to get value from it is that absolutely um so what 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 uh how long were you wanting to write a book before you decided to write a book man i've always wanted to write a book um okay i had a friend uh in, in high school um he said that he, he was he's a jewish guy this is a jewish proverb that uh every every man should have a child plant a tree and write a book because they all outlive you and he told me this boy back then and i was like yeah one day i'm gonna write a book i thought it was gonna be just a book about my life one day like an autobiography type thing um but i was inspired to write bitcoin and black america because of all of the consulting and teaching that i was doing for one i wanted a fishing way to just hand somebody something and say hey here read it and this is a good base to start uh, but also, too, I I wanted something. Uh, I, I don't know if you all have ever seen uh, Half Baked. Uh, I'm on the High Hash Rate podcast. So I'm sure you've seen Half Baked. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, <laughs> Half Baked has this has this hilarious cult following. Um, yeah. And Dave Chappelle is my favorite comedian of all time. So I always wanted to write a, the book that has a cult following. Like, if you, okay. know, you, if you know, you know type thing. I didn't know yeah. it was going to blow up the way it does. I just thought it would be like, you know, I'm selling books out the trunk. I'm doing hand-to-hands. I'm going to places just to speak about Bitcoin face to face. I have zero dollar marketing budget. I had no intentions of it getting, you know, as big as it did, but I just wanted a cult following book and I, I achieved it <laughs> by oh, yeah. somehow. And when, did, when you were thinking about writing a book, at what point did you decide and you did you realize like I'm writing it about Bitcoin? Oh, the, it, that's a, that's all I was thinking about the entire okay. time. The entire process of thinking about it and getting my ideas out. It was like, it has to be about Bitcoin. Um, I've been at that point, I've been in the industry six years and people were always asking about Bitcoin. I was tired of sending them podcasts and sending them, uh, different videos and knowing they weren't watching it. Um, a book, even if people don't read it as much, which if you look at the first book, I wrote it on like a middle school level on purpose and it's a very small, quick book. So I try to make it, you know, compact because people don't read like that, but I'm like, if they can get it quickly and get the right information it will be straight. So I knew it was going to be about Bitcoin. I knew it was going to make some sort of impact on the community because, you know, uh, a lot of people that talk about black Americans, and, you know, our unique history here in America, all the solutions they come up with, they've tried it before and the shit doesn't work. Like, what are you all talking about? Because you didn't attack the root problem. It's the money. If you're not attacking the root, everything else is just, I mean, you just, you're wasting time. So I was like, I knew it would have an impact because at least it's something new. I mean, we gotta, you gotta try something different. You can't just keep going around talking about, we need to protest and, we need to organize. I mean, everybody does that shit, but the money's broken. So even even though it's not just us, it's broken for everybody. So that's why people are continue to have these problems. And that was inspiration. And I, that's the, the reason why I'm writing a second book about it. It's like a follow up, uh, seven new chapters, uh, all new ideas and, and things like that, simply because I don't think the first one uh, addressed everything that people need to know about Bitcoin. Uh, simply because Bitcoin changes so much, and it's been four years. Well, what, I, I what is the, the the in the? Let me just comment on that. the 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 book is so you have to focus so much on just getting the person updated to what Bitcoin mm-hmm. is. So you spend a lot of your time on Bitcoin uh, in the book, doing just doing that. So you don't get yep. to dive maybe deep into the meaty stuff that you might want to. You know, so exactly. I'm looking forward to to reading another book of yours, of course. Oh, yeah. If, if that's the 100 level course, this is like the 200, 300 level course. Like it's okay. not beginner stage. It's not Bitcoin wallets. This is what they are. You know, it's, it's like the deep stuff. This is right. I think, privacy, things like I that. I think that 
that authors like yourself and I mean a lot of other Bitcoin authors uh, 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 I really liked Bitcoin is Venice for example uh-huh. um, by Alan Farrington I think as you learn Bitcoin and like you said you're always constantly learning and you're also learning about how the people who are in your life or the growing adoption of Bitcoin how they're interacting with it and the mistakes they're making and the mistakes you made you can help them like hey I made this mistake too writing these new subsequent books as you grow as they grow it's like a uh it's like a you know a teacher student relationship that's like existing through time instead of just in the classroom Mm -hmm. yeah um and I sort of like to think of it like a a living organism that is constantly growing and I don't know if you saw like uh Kaye West when uh, he had his one album and then he went back and like edited it and then put it out again. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> to, the, yeah. to me, that's like super dope. It's, and I want to do that kind of with the book is like, I, I'm not editing the first one, but I'm basically just like adding more to it. Like yeah. you read the first one. So you definitely need to read the second one and, and things like that. Um, you, you talked about mm-hmm. how like your friends and family and everybody kind of reacted when you tried to tell them about Bitcoin early in your journey. Um, but how, how is that different or is it different from the reaction you get to your book? Cause your book is more, um, just by the fact that you wrote a book, it's kind of like, I'm telling you, here's a solution. Mm. This is a, maybe, maybe something, the things that you've been doing to try to solve these problems, I don't think are right. This is my solution. Has that changed? Are people more or less receptive to the fact that you're like, this is the plan forward, I think. Oh yeah. It's, it's something weird. If you write a book, people now they think you're smart. It's like, oh, yeah, you wrote yeah, a yeah. book. You must know what you're talking about. And it's like, and you're on TV. I mean, you've been yeah. on Pomp. You're on CNB. You're, you're a media figure. Like, you've yeah. probably got um, a lot of authority just by on the topic alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think and that I mean, there's something to be. You could speak something to that just because there is a level of work that is involved in writing a book. And so, if you present, you know, that level of work and saying, "Hey, this is my thoughts. This is." This is a full sort of breath, and it took me some time. It's like worth the message itself. Oh, yeah, Uh, yeah. (laughs) Perfectly said, because, you know, the book itself is, you know, six years of information packed in one, you know, that I put in one book. Um, And and people respect it because usually when you write a book, that's how they they view it. It's like, okay, all the information you've got to this point in one setting, I can basically save time. I don't have to be in Bitcoin for six years in order to get the information now. So. Yeah, that's that. That's definitely the motivation behind it, and uh, you know, I, I hope the second book, you know, is sort of the same, but uh, you know, just bigger as far as impact. What um, what was it like going from you're telling the people, your friends and family, to you're, you're talk, you're, you get the chance to talk about Bitcoin on the you know cable news, national news, like podcasts with tons of people. You've been you've obviously been practicing for it the whole time, right? Like you've been telling people about Bitcoin, but does it does it change? Do you get like the stage fright, or did you at the beginning? Uh, no, uh, you know why? Because I did stand up for five years. So okay, okay, <laughs> I did stand up. Oh for damn, five you years, did stand up. Like, yeah, yeah like what was that all about? No, nah, man, it's sorry, sorry, awesome. Sorry, I want to yeah, 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 go yeah. back and do it. Fin- I actually finish, sorry, go. sorry, sorry. Yeah, well, yeah. So first question, um, I, I wasn't scared <laughs> sorry, at all. It wasn't. And, you know, I was really confident about doing all of this stuff uh, or about speaking about it because I, I knew I knew the subject and I was really uh, excited to get in front of these people who are in um, in media because I know they don't know what the hell they're talking about. I, I would watch like past episodes and I was like, Jesus Christ, you all are so wrong. It's ridiculous. So I was excited. I was like, I can't wait to get in front of these people 
And I think I got a little too excited uh, with basically making people look dumb because CNBC <laughs> won't invite me back. And uh, <laughs> a few other podcasts, they won't invite me back. Um, like, literally, I had an assistant to the guy on CNBC. I basically broke him down so bad. She she emailed me and she was like, you were awesome, but we were asked to not bring you back anymore. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, by the host uh, because I, I made him look so bad because... You know these smug guys. They they think they know. They it need all. it. They, they, need, they it. need it. Yeah, he, he it's just not good for your personal circuit career. Exactly. He's trying even, to trip, even, trip me out. Even Steph Curry's got to get beaten. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, I can't wait to see him in person. Yeah. I'll be like, hey, you you know you still owing one against me, but right. no, yeah. I, I, I was I couldn't wait, man. I was so excited. Matter of fact, I did. I've done over a hundred, uh, 120 podcasts and interviews since that book came out, and like 90 of them were that were within the same year. Like, I was so excited wow. with the book because, again, like I said, I was like, you got to take advantage of the opportunity when it gets there. And when it happened, I was like, I'm going full force. On top of the fact that, yes, I did stand up for five years, which uh, for most adults, I believe, if it's, if it's still a stat, this is what they told me in high school, that the number one thing people are scared of is public speaking, even more than yeah. that. So yeah. stand so, up to me kills that, you know, that... that Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I don't know if I've told the story on here before, but I used to be just terribly, brutally scared of, of public speaking. Like it would affect my career. Mm-hmm. And I I knew I had to get over that. So and I was always a huge stand up comedian fa- or stand up comic fan. Mm-hmm. I did uh, stand up for about a year and a half. And like the nice. first time I got up there, I was like throwing up in the bathroom beforehand. <laughs> but like now it's it's like it cured it. It really yeah. worked. So I, oh, I, I I totally know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, was, I always t- tell people was like, you got to do stand up at least once in your life. So you can be on the other side of it uh, just to see and what you can bomb like. and you can yeah. bomb and you can understand it's not that bad. Like once you realize, right. once you bomb and you realize it's not that bad and nobody cares because you just starting out, you're like, oh, well, shit, I can just go, uh, you know, I can do this forever. This is, this I can get creative up here. I can, creative, I can like, I can, I can get loose. Exactly. And, and one of the funniest things or best advice I got was from another comedian. He was like, you feel that nervousness when you see other comedians come up there? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm nervous for the comedian. He was like, yeah. So they're just as nervous as you are. So just be yourself. You know, yeah. it literally, it's like, it's like that moment when you go on stage where it's like everybody's nervous for you to see, uh, you know, what you got to do. And you're nervous as well. Like you, you said you were throwing up. I drank three bottles of wine before I yeah. went on stage the first time. I was so like literally shaking nervous. And the only reason I did it was because I actually was doing a radio show at the time. Uh, we had a radio show on campus and people were just I was the colored commentary and my friend was the DJ. And people were like, yo, man, you funny. Why don't you do stand up? And it kind of blew my head up. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah why don't I do stand up? I am pretty funny. And then got on stage and just bombed so bad. It was so hilarious. Oh, I bombed man. like the first three times, but it was, it was, uh, I, I call it good bombings because it was a bomb that the crowd was like, what in the world? But the it's like a bad trip, like yeah. a bad acid trip. Like yeah. it was good because it, it was good. so bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, the thing is, the comedians that were there, they were like, yo, you're actually pretty funny. It's just, oh, yeah, your jokes are too are too hardcore <laughs> this is not the type of crowd <laughs> to do i mean because i'm just saying like you can't again i you know the structure of comedy and you know yeah the three you gotta learn the timing everything you can't walk on stage and start off with an abortion joke you can't do it yeah. like, no <laughs> so like so you gotta like, earn the trust exactly so you don't you don't understand that like finding you your voice trust, and all these things right. exactly yeah it's like you can't you can't talk about certain subjects that are too bad because you'll lose the crowd instantly no matter how many laughs yeah. you got as soon as you lose them you lost and then you got to yeah. be a real pro to bring them back so yeah, that really helped me with, with speaking. And now, you know, I'm not scared to speak in front of anybody. I mean, conferences, I've done them all now. And it's just fun, especially because I'm confident that I know what I'm talking about. Uh, what, 
What was that change like? I'm just curious what that change like was from the first year of your stand-up comedian career to the fifth year. How did that feel? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So the first time I did stand-up, I was a junior in college. Uh, So my junior year and my two senior years is when I did stand-up and then two years after that. So when I first started, it was, you know, just people hyping my head up. You're funny. Why don't you do it? It's like, cool. Yeah, I did it. So the first year... Uh, I took it really serious. Like I was basically doing radio and then I would go do stand up at least twice a week. Uh, one of the comedians took me on the road with him uh, as I got a little better um, and bombed my first show like on the road. <laughs> and uh, he gave me he gave me an extra fifty dollars. Uh, he, he, he was paying fifty, but he gave me an extra fifty because he felt sorry for me. But he was like, the fact that you even came, he was like, you've only been doing it six months. And he, he was like, most people don't get on the road for like a few years. Uh, he's like, I just wanted to see if you had the balls to come. He's like, honestly, I knew you were going to bomb, but I just wanted to see if you would do it. And he was like, you're not scared. That's all that matters. He's like, you're going to be good at some point. So, you know, I just had that confidence. I won like three competitions, um, came in second in like four of the ones. So I wasn't bad. The thing is, I realized comedians are so broke and nobody has any money. Jesus Christ, there's no <laughs> yeah. money in this. <laughs> and I was like, I had to make a decision. Like, it was really, I did a competition here in Charlotte. Uh, I did a comedy competition and I lost. Uh, but I went home that night and then I got on Poloniex and I made like $700 trading. If anybody remembers the old Poloniex of the uh, uh, crypto exchange back when I was trading, this is like 2013 because I was just out of college uh, and I just learned about Bitcoin. So I made like $700 or something like that. And I was like, do I really want to go spend my time at stand up? clubs all night to get on stage by 20 people or do i want to sit in front of the screen and, and make you know make money and it was an easy decision so that's that's why i left and i got the bitcoin yeah. and the reason i did it is because i feel like stand-up is like golf you can play it till you you can do it till you're dead you don't yeah. lose can, funny like you just don't stop being funny too can can you mix these worlds can you do a set at pacific bitcoin <laughs> you know that's somebody actually asked me that it was like um I was Carlos Miller. He's a comedian in Atlanta. Uh, he asked me that. He was like, would there ever be, you know, a Bitcoin and comedy show? And I was like, oh, trust me, I'm planning it. If there's anybody say, dude, wants to I, think that, I think that's yeah. so important. I think that we need, you know, like how STIA, South by Southwest and uh, Austin, it's kind of an arts thing. It's, it could be, has a similar vibe to Bitcoin, like tech right. and art, mm-hmm. if you combine those two. But having like a com- comedian tent and getting some like legit comedians who aren't like necessarily Bitcoiners or whatever, but like uh-huh. they got some good jokes about yep. Bitcoin. And then comedians who are big, uh, comics, you know, like yeah, that's a good I think idea, that'd be right? badass. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I would I would do. Just just like the three point contest, we can have a comedy competition. It was, it was yeah, funny exactly. with, uh, Bitcoiners and do it because crazy. again, I, the, I think the best part about it is, is at this point in my life, there's no pressure. Like, I remember being 20, you know, 20 years yeah. old and thinking to myself, it's like, if I want to do this as a career, I got to really be good. I'm writing jokes right. every day. Uh, matter of fact, I found one of my old joke books, uh, the, one of the, my old notebooks, because, uh, you know, I'm back in Charlotte right now. I found one of my old joke books, and I was horrible. I was like, geez, what the fuck was this? I thought this was funny. <laughs> oh, man. But uh, I was 20. You know, it was 15 years ago almost. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, well, now, now I, I have no fear. Like, it's no pressure. I don't care about bombing if it's right, terrible right. i'm just gonna laugh at myself laugh myself off the stage or whatever uh so i think i'd probably actually be better at it now because there's no pressure people people would probably laugh at this but uh one thing i kind of think about when i about when i'm watching like alex honnold that dude that climbs yosemite like yep. those those walls like without any ropes without any support and it's like he gets to one of those spots where it's kind of you know i don't know if i can make this i don't know what to do but he's got to oh. solve it okay 
or he's you know he dead he's dead mm-hmm. like i almost get the same kind of feeling about like you talked about you go up there and you bomb you lose the crowd it's like when you get up there as like a really high level comedian and you start going down a bad road and you're starting to lose the crowd like it's up to you you're on that wall it's like you can either turn it around or you're gonna bomb oh, and yeah. like the really the really good comedians know like they can find those those fine little points in the rock you know stick dig their finger in and, and support them while they they transition their weight oh yeah yeah it's I, an I, art it's I, an art yeah. i still remember where i i lost the uh the embarrassment you know in stand-up you kind of like you always like all right if it goes bad i'm embarrassed i remember i did this show in uh, durham north carolina and uh all black crowd a li- little bit older than you know old crowd and um I said I said some joke that was terrible, and I don't know why. Like I didn't even, you know, how sometimes you have an out of body experience. I kind of just yeah. stopped like half and just was like, Jesus Christ, I suck. And I just said, it. <laughs> and everybody bust out laughing. And this older lady was like, It's all right, baby, keep trying. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, See, why am I getting embarrassed? Because it, it, like I felt embarrassed, but at the same time, I thought to myself, I was like, Most people when they're watching you, they're scared for you. Like they're scared they want to bomb for you. So that's when I kind of lost the embarrassment. I was like, ah, whatever. And it was just, it it just happens like that. I literally was just like, Jesus Christ, I suck. There's no better crowd. There's no better crowd than the open mic crowd because the open mic crowd is all those comedians that are just waiting for their turn. There's like nobody there actually (laughs) watching you. It's just comedians waiting to tell jokes to other comedians, and it's like Mm -hmm. they laugh at all. They laugh at a lot of the jokes that even the worst ones because like a lot of time. They can see where you're trying to go with it, mm-hmm. and they just they just watch you drive it off a cliff. But they could see where you were trying to go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they'll, they'll give you pointers, and then, you know, laughing back. It is funny though because uh, somebody asked me, you know, what was it like doing stand up, and I was like, I don't know. Go stand in a room full of comedians and tell them jokes. What does that feel like? That's all comedy yeah. clothes was. <laughs> yeah. To me, it's seven people in the crowd, the two drunk guys, and some dude that stumbled in off the street, and then, you know, other comedians. Yeah, it's it's funny. Um. So. What are you working on now? I mean, you, you know, you're talking about writing a new book, uh, and you sounds like you're a networker, you travel and you, you do your education, but are you trying to, you got any big things ahead or anything you're trying to organize or things you're trying to get the word out for right now? Absolutely. So, uh, Bitcoin in black America, second edition will be out, uh, my 10th anniversary next month, uh, October 19th, I'll be having a celebration in Charlotte with, uh, Charlotte Bitcoin. And, um, so that, that's. That, that news will be out as far as the book itself. You start seeing promotion first week of October. And then um, second thing is the book tour. Um, my first book tour, very successful, paid for everything out of pocket. It was it was like the old days of uh, like Motown where people were, you know, driving around on the bus and they had to pay for their own gas and pay for it. You know, and every every city was an adventure. Yeah, that's what it was like. Uh, so the second book tour, I'm working on that. Um, I'm the advisor, like I said before, for the Wiser app, Y-Z-E-R, uh, Bitcoin and Financial Education. Uh, it's like the Duolingo of Bitcoin. Uh, it's the best financial uh, Bitcoin uh, education app that I've seen that's not connected to something else. It's just purely educational. Uh, so trying to get that into school systems right now. Like I said, I just consulted with John C. Smith. I uh, have a, f- uh, a few other colleges in Miami and in, uh, South Florida to talk to. So really working on that as an advisor. Um, a few of the of my side projects. Uh, those are my main three. Those are three things I'll focus on, and I'll be focused on that for for the next year. But long term, one thing I'm working on is the Bitcoin Boat Club, uh, which you guys are two of the first people to hear about it. Uh, but the Bitcoin Boat Club um, actually was privileged enough to co-own a yacht with uh, two other business partners in Miami, 
And uh, we're trying to get some Bitcoiners on some boats and have some great meetups and uh, also oh, yeah. use maritime law to our advantage as far as cold storage. Um, can't give it all the way, but yeah. there's different laws on the land and different laws on the sea. And uh, when we talk about um, Bitcoin long term, one thing that could happen, and I write about this in the second book, is uh, sort of the same thing that happened in 1933, where they come for the gold or they try and blame it on, you know, the problems. The reason America is in a recession is because they're hoarding, hoarding all this Bitcoin and we need it. And, I'm, and the thing is, the maritime law is a lot different than than on, on land. So Bitcoin Boat Club working on that. Um, and then um, next year, I'll probably uh, push it out a little bit more. But having a, a platform, uh, a media platform where the shows kind of show the human side. So that's why when you said the stand up comedy, that's part of it is like people who do stand up comedy. Right. People on the street uh, doing street interviews. Uh, so some of the people that sell wine and sell food and f they travel with their family. It's like showing the human side of Bitcoin that Bitcoin is not just, you know, a bunch of shadowy super coders who live in their mom's basement because people still think that. Um, and that it's also not BlackRock. Like I, it's a happy medium. And I, I want to start. It's a value for value tool. Value if for somebody's value. funny, if somebody's got good wine, if somebody's got a, a small business, somebody's babysitting kids you can mm -hmm. pay them in bitcoin you don't have exactly. to go to a bank mm -hmm. yep so that working on those things and uh next summer uh, i'll be having a bitcoin summer mm -hmm. camp again and uh nice. yeah I'm, I'm always working uh sometimes to my own detriment because i don't get much sleep but uh, <laughs> uh at the same time uh in my opinion people will look back 20 years from now and, and remember the people who dedicated their life to bitcoin and and pushed it as hard as as we have uh like you guys have as well so you're leaving a legacy that will outlive you. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And, and that's all I'm working on right now. Um, Two things I definitely want to see are are uh, an Isaiah Jackson Bitcoiner set. For yeah, sure. Hell yeah. I definitely want to see that. Uh, <laughs> and the other one is like a, but you, you already have a podcast, don't you, Isaiah? Mm -hmm. Yep. Right? The Gentleman of Crypto podcast, uh, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Yes, sir. Nice. And you're, um, still, you're still going strong with that, aren't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've taken a little wow. break recently because I'm taking help and take care of my grandmother. Um, yeah, but yes, we have over 1,100 episodes. Uh, wow. sec second wow. longest Bitcoin podcast of all time. Wow. Um, I, I think we may be first if you count like the shows we did before we started counting them. But yeah, one of the longest uh, in, in the industry. And uh, it's great because I, I'm pretty sure I, I'm pretty sure we're the only podcast that created a the crypto uh, um, booby trap. Where people show up wanting to learn about crypto, and then we spend the whole oh. time telling them about Bitcoin, and we tell them I like that. <laughs> like we we I uh, we have something called uh, Fuck Bitcoin Fridays. I want to bring some Swan people on to debate. But yes, we have something yes. called Fuck Bitcoin Fridays, uh, where we bring I've, I've debated Ripple people, real estate people. Oh, that's, that's he a great hexagons. We brought on Richard Hart. I've debated uh, people that that work in, in finance. I've debated <laughs> like every type of person, uh, and it's crazy because. I'm not saying I win every time, but I know for a fact that when people start basically saying, well, I mean, you're right, but it's not the only yeah, thing. It's, yeah, not, yeah. it's not the only thing that they, matters. And they, I'm like, okay, well, you just hit me with the whole uh, agree to disagree bullshit. I'm like, all right. They're, they're, they're making compromises and trade-offs more than their protocol is. Exactly. You know? Yep. Yeah. And um, it's hilarious. Hmm. Uh, we talked briefly at the beginning about your three-point contest win. Uh, have you won any other three-point contests since then? Maybe since uh, then, yes, I actually won the uh, three-point contest at the 
Bitcoin Conference 2021 over uh, Hill Harper uh, from TV fame. If you, if you know Hill Harper, he was there. He was a celebrity three-point shootout, and uh, yeah. I beat him in that. However, I have heard some people talk shit. And namely Corey Clipston. <laughs> Clipston. <laughs> we got a West we got a West Coast East Coast rivalry brewing here. Yeah, oh yeah, we definitely gotta get it. Now me and Corey have already talked about it. We gotta go head to head. You gotta prove who's the best Bitcoin baller out there. I know it's me, but I just gotta prove it. This is this this kind of feels like uh in boxing when you got like the multiple promotions and you got the multiple champions and you finally get the unified belt. We're finally gonna see who's the who's the number one. Who's the number one? You gotta do it. I uh, Isaiah, I have to ask you this question uh, before we wrap up. I, do you think there's a, especially based on your past, do you think there's a connection between, or can you find a connection between basketball and Bitcoin? Oh, yes. good question. Yes, absolutely. Uh, one of the main things uh, about, like I said, Steph Curry, when I said to be really good at basketball, you have to work extremely hard because there's only about 5,000 people who have ever played in the NBA, ever. And I think Bitcoin is in that same way. I think there will only be about 5,000 people who ever really understand Bitcoin, like really how, how much it is. We, we can educate and get people on the right track, but it's always, it's always going to be a very small number of people that actually understand Bitcoin and the implications for the future. And um, that's one thing about basketball that definitely you have to work hard in this industry. Some people think, oh, you got lucky. You bought some Bitcoin, it went up in value, you sold it, you're rich. But in reality, it's nothing like that. Like I said before, I'm still learning every single day. And that's what Bitcoin, just like basketball, has to be your life. It has to revolve around it. The schedule has to, uh, in order to immerse yourself and get the most out of it, I think. Uh, I also think that um, when the times are good, when you win the championship, you get the girls, you get the media, you get all the fun. Same thing with Bitcoin. When we're in a bull market, man, I can't, I can't count how many podcasts I get invited on and TV shows and how many people are buying courses and books and everybody loves it. And then small little beer market and everybody runs away. <laughs> this is just like having to lose a season in basketball. You have a losing season. Now everybody's <laughs> sitting in there with uh, paper bags on their head. And trust me, I know about the paper bag because I was here when Charlotte Bobcats went seven and 59. I, I know exactly what a <laughs> terrible basketball team looks like. So everybody's sad. And then, uh, you know, it's just, it's just ways, man. It's just, and, this is how it works. In the bear market, you just got to trust the process. Got to trust the process, man. That's right. Yeah, so that's that's my Bitcoin and, and basketball analogy. Also, too, I do want to say um, the fact that um, uh, basketball's rules, they were written long ago, and they're very rigid. Uh, small changes have been made along the way, but they've always improved it. So even though we may have small changes in Bitcoin, it always makes it better. So don't you know push back against innovation. Um, don't, don't become the old grumpy guy who wants the, the old-time Bitcoin. Back in my day, I have to, to, I have to admit, I I have to admit, I'm the old grumpy guy about basketball. I miss the big banging centers of the '90s. I miss the bad boys, the Pistons. (laughs) I do too, man. I'm still a little salty. I I do love the high, you know, the high scoring, Mm -hmm. the shooters, but I miss the. But I I mean, like things like three point, things like three point line. Yeah, for sure. The 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 shot clock. Yeah, like the shot clock. Things like that. These changes, just like Bitcoin, is like when you add Segwit. Or when you, you start talking about layer two with uh, lightning, these changes they only make it better in the end. Um, but there have been some some stuff thrown out there that's terrible. So you still have to make yeah. it pretty rigid so you don't have an entirely new game. And when I watch a slam ball, right, right, exactly, or the XFL, yeah, <laughs> XFL which, which is, is, the, is which the is PSV the of the NFL. That's the hex yeah. of the crypto market. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
I'm sorry. Yeah, I, got right. I got to shit on Hexagons because oh, no. they, they, I've debated at least like eight of them on my show. And when Richard Hart got those SEC papers, I was like, Jesus Christ, it couldn't have been more obvious. The man I, literally put certificate of deposit on the front of the website. He's a known scammer. Get him out of here. I like to get a jab in here and there when something really ridiculous happens. But I think I've started to realize that like BSV and Hexicons, it's like a subculture. Like they know oh, yeah. that they're losing and they're losing money and they're just doubling down and just being trolls man. just to drive us crazy. Have you have you have you battled the ripple people? They really think oh, they not were, a while. They think that there's some sort of uh, white hat revolution uh, with Q and Nasara and Gasara, and that they're going to change the entire banking industry and they're going to run it on Ripple. And I'm, I, I was like, I thought I was deep in the rabbit hole. Jesus Christ, these people are still digging it. <laughs> they're they, just going deeper. I'm like, are we? To, we're talking about the same Ripple, the same XRP, the only project in in crypto history that crypto people laugh at and bankers laugh at. Like, yeah. what the, what are we talking about here? Man? Those guys are the kings of like vague press releases that make people think that you know the BIS, the central banks, are all adopting Bitcoin. There's a partnership. There's oh yeah, there's a, a partnership. Test trial. Yeah. Yeah, oh, we got God. a partnership with Amazon. Yeah, you use fucking Amazon Web Services like everybody. Else. Every every <laughs> everybody who gets an account with Amazon Web Services is a partner. <laughs> that was a fun time, wasn't it? 2017 yeah. ICO days. Partner with Amazon. Oh, yeah. oh man, fucking uh, Monaco, then get a Visa card, and then. Three years later, oh, crypto.com. Jesus Christ, get out of here. It's, it's never, the scams are never uh -huh. gonna end. It's just funny to see how creative they get, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, man, uh, really appreciate you coming on High Hash Rate. Uh, it was a great conversation. I'll get to, it. Yeah, you know, that was a lot of fun, you, man. When you do your press run for the, for the next book, man, we'll have you back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I definitely have, right. have you guys on the list. I can't wait to come back, brother. Appreciate it. All the right. Will, will we catch you at Pacific Bitcoin? Yes. Yes, I will All be right. there. I have to talk to Corey because I don't think I'm speaking this year, but I will be there. I have to. I have to. No, be known as the best. You're doing a set. You're doing a set, you, you're no, doing a set that this year. That's fine. Yeah, I'm a, at I'm, least, I'm, at least, at least the book signing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm a Renaissance yeah, man. Yeah. I'll be there, brother. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll cut it. Thanks again for listening to the High Hash Rate podcast. You can find us on Twitter at High Hash Rate, or you can hit up Dan at Heartland Bitcoin, H R T L N D Bitcoin or myself, Mike, at Run Dance Bitcoin. That's all one word, Run Dance Bitcoin. If you're a fellow pleb or you just want to shoot the shit with two high Bitcoiners, reach out to us. Holy Toledo!